0: That give the world to see where the music suddenly playing and the rhythms gently sway in underneath the stars, a million bars, guitars are softly saying. Mexico, you got to be in so much to there you go. Uh, we gave you the extra few seconds if you're joining in at home. Uh, and our man in Campeche, Mexico, is uh, John Bonfilio. Uh, John, very good evening to you. Good evening, Martin. How are you? Uh, I'm absolutely fine. Thanks. Yourself?
1: Yeah, not too bad, not too bad.
0: Good. Uh, well, let's start with this story which has, uh, has made the press in a fairly big way over here. Um, this is this uh, journalist who's, uh, this is Dom Phillips, a uh, British journalist who's gone missing in uh, the Amazon. So tell me a bit more about this, what he was doing there and, uh, you know, the circumstances.
1: Yeah, we're in, what is it now? So that happened on Sunday. He went, uh, he went missing with an indigenous, with an indigenous expert called Bruno Araujo Pereira. Um, and it was in a really i mean, look you know lots of the amazon is really remote but this is you know uber remote it's on the indian border between um, uh between peru and between colombia which means that in terms of illegal contraband and activity and things like wildcat mining illegal mo- uh, mining coca farming and stuff it means that actually criminal activity can very easily move across borders in what is already a highly remote you know, very difficult to access region. Mm. Don Phillips, it's worth saying, 57-year-old journalist, predominantly Guardian journalist, but has written for the Washington Post, New York Times, various others. You know, th- there probably is no more important international journalist, I think, uh, as regards uh, the Amazon. Um, and he absolutely, you know, knew what he was doing. He'd been there working in that area for a 10-year period um, in really remote spaces with indigenous g- groups, massively respected. And on Sunday, doing a very straightforward little journey Well, i say little journey in a really remote part of the amazon but basically going between one um indigenous community and another on a river in the uh Yawari region let's say just on the border with with Peru. he left one community was expected to drive, arrive with the other on a boat well kicked uh, kitted out boat and gps system you know decent fuel backups and all the rest of it the two of them and he never arrived at his destination Um, and has not been seen of since. So what then took place in terms of a timeline is that the second indigenous community that he was meant to arrive at immediately issued, uh, some alerts and some warnings to search for him because there'd been some well publicized threats to both him and Bruno, the indigenous person, about a week before from illegal, uh, fishermen. So they suspected that something, you know, might have gone wrong and also, Mm. You know, on on a well kitted out boat just between two bits of river, it would be very unusual. I mean, things happen, but for them to just fall off the face of the earth, you know, for sure was unusual. So by Monday, you get um, a very slow response from the Brazilian authorities, which is you know no great surprise. On Tuesday, there's a beginning of an international. Outcry. His family, Don Phillips's family, start appearing on on videos. You know, calling for the the response to be upped, and why haven't helicopters been released? Because you know, you, there aren't worth saying. It may seem obvious. Where these guys were, there are no roads. So the only way you can access, you know, these communities are by boat uh you know up a long long series of distances or you know very small light aircraft or or helicopter then on wednesday joe Bolsonaro, our favorite joe Bolsonaro, intervenes Mm. by saying basically that it was the the fault of the two guys that it was you know they went on an adventure and adventures go wrong and he wouldn't be surprised if and he said this if they'd been executed which you know definitely helped no one Mm. on thursday there was an arrest of of uh, of a fisherman referred to as as el pelado, the, the the bald one or the hairless one who was the last person to see them alive and who'd issued them the threats, but you know nothing else emerged from that and then yesterday uh, blood was found on his boat, and there was also a an issuing a massive letter issued by a whole series of international editors again calling for uh, you know upping the ante in terms of searching for uh, for Don Phillips. Where we are at the moment is that finally the Brazilian military and navy are mobilized and there's about 300 servicemen there searching, um, and a hell of a lot more indigenous, you know, tribes and groups that are also looking for the, for the two of them. Worth saying that if there is any law in this part of this very difficult, contentious part of the world, uh, then that is provided by indigenous defense groups that for you know basically have to defend themselves because there are no state or local authorities that are going in to to assist them in 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 that given context you know in terms of the expropriation mm. the forced invasions of their lands and and so on and this is very definitely you know something which started with you know an individual a, a british journalist disappearing on on Sunday, so coming up to a week ago, which has now reached, you know, an international level of recognition. Desperate
0: times f- for the family. Obviously, we, you know, we, there was Absolutely. a story in, in London that his, uh, his sister, uh, had a vigil and, uh, you know, was trying to, I suppose that this was earlier in the week, was trying to just create more interest in it, uh, in the hunt for him. And then of course he's got, um, a wife who uh, lives with him in um, Salvador i believe uh, and yeah. she must be in absolute despair because it's it doesn't look good at, at, at this after yeah. this length of time does it
1: look you you're, you're totally right and it didn't look good from the off like the language that was being used from the off and certainly you know this we talked about disappearances in the jungle a number of times on your show this is not a standard disappearance this reeks of foul play Having happened, you know, in an immediate moment where these guys were on the river, nothing about this smells like it's two guys that got lost. And you know, if we search hard enough, we're gonna we're gonna find them. It, it, there's definitely this subtext, right? You know, when um, and I, I really hope, of course, you know, that I'm wrong about this and that you know something untoward has happened and maybe they're injured and incommunicado and so on. Uh, but you know that that certainly there is. Nothing about this context that says, you know, that, that we are looking for um, alive yeah. persons in the jungle situation.
0: No, I, I can see that. Um, tell me about this uh, summit of the Americas. Uh, Joe Biden turned up at the summit of the Americas and I think uh, oh, snubbed yes. by the Mexicans. T- tell me what, what that's all about.
1: Uh, Biden's not having a good time. This is the summit of some of the Americas. Definitely not summit of all of the Americas. It started that the major contention, they said, basically this, take place, this takes place every few years, you know, all hypothetically leaders of the Americas get together, they talk as a group, they have bilateral summits, they take the opportunity to, you know, get on with things. This problem started because the Biden administration basically said they didn't want dictators, in inverted commas, at the summit. So they barred, they didn't invite Venezuela, Nicaragua and Cuba, which irritated a number of other, uh, leftist and quasi, you know, individuals, presidents with uh, with perhaps future autocratic tendencies. So the big one that was speaking openly about a boycott was Andrés Manuel López Obrador AMLO in Mexico, uh, who basically said, you know, if they're not going you, summit of the Americas, he said, there cannot be a summit of the Americas of um if all uh, of the Americas cannot attend. So he basically boycotted it, sent his sent his foreign mm. minister, minister instead. And that then, you know, the third thing that happened was that that then led to a number of other countries doing basically the same. So El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala, um, also sent lower level delegates. And it just became, a, it is, you know, it currently finishes today, is basically a massive non-event to which to add insult to injury to, to Biden, his only bilateral uh, meeting that, that's taking place is, again with our friend Jair Bolsonaro who you know could not be more opposed politically than mm. they uh, than they are and you've got this you know you remember that the, the, the Macron Putin meeting across the massive table yes uh, this is <laughs> Bolsonaro and Biden are not that far away from each other they're on each out as an individual couch but there's definitely no love lost uh, there you know there's zero warmth between the two of those individuals
0: Another Mexican story, or another uh, sort of Latin American story, which made it big in the uh, certainly in the Sunday Times uh, last week, is and it's the sort of thing we've been talking about for a long time, isn't it? It's uh, all these uh, young people who go um, who go missing, um, victims of the of the cartels. Uh, and uh, there was—it was, I suppose, it was a feature really about the mothers of some of these uh, uh, these young men who who are searching for them in what's described as a, a, a largely lawless country. The uh, Sunday Times said. So, I mean, that presumably is something that's sort of going on all the time.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, wh- where I would take issue with that particular Sunday Times piece is, it, you know, it was a little bit. Um, I don't know. It, it, it did seem to ramp up a lot of different things, which is not to un, you know, to, to diminish the situation. For sure, we've, again, we've spoken about it many times, the cartels have massive power and dominion over, if not the whole country, significant portions of, of the country. I, I don't think it's, you know, it's fair to say that it's the whole country, but there's definitely routes, trade routes, if you like, you know, that go up from both Mexico and from further afield, which are dominated by and fought over by these cartels in, in which, you know, what we know is that in terms of statistics, an average of 30 people a day die in the, in the war on drugs, in the, in the cartel violence and so on. And, you know, in the, much the same way as the Amazon, although maybe not more, not quite as remote, there, there is no state intervention. There are no, uh, there is no legal infrastructure or policing infrastructure which is, is available to investigate these things. Even if it wanted to, it's probably in hock with, with the cartels anyway. So, so you then fall back on the actual families of, uh, the, the uh, and uh, at this point I'm not even talking about the known victims so 30 a day known victims and then you are now at over 100,000 disappearances so bodies not found since 2006 and that's where the families and in particular the mothers you know get involved and mm-hmm. through personal experience they they go out into the desert they know where people like this is h- horrific but they know where people like to dig graves because you know as a standard laborer who can choose his site of work is probably going to do so if he has to bury a big hole is probably going to do so under a decent sized tree and so on mm. and they begin their you know horrendous painful search and maybe they don't find their child but they probably find somebody else's uh child and and, and 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 so on and then you get involved in that you know, horrific macabre event of looking for human remains as an individual who has lost family and friends uh, because you know you have no fundamental support network uh, offered by the state.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, just one final story one of my favorite footballers uh, is you know, who <laughs> this short time is at West Ham was great fun. Um, Carlos Tevez is retiring.
1: He is. It's good to end on, a, after some of those stories, Martin, it's good to end on a little bit of an upbeat. Carlos, rem- yeah. you know, what a remarkable individual and footballer Carlos Tevez was. You know, from first to last, he's retiring at the age of 38. He snubbed a move to, uh, to major league soccer for sure. A pr- prolific mover between clubs, started at Boca Juniors, ended now just now at Boca Juniors. So he's very much, you know, an icon there too. And then played for, you know, some of the biggest clubs in, in Europe, Juventus, Man City, Man United. Should I include West Ham in that? I think, thing, uh, I think you should. I think you should. I mean, that
0: was his first uh, gig in the uh, in the UK. I mean, clearly, he was was probably too good for us at the time. Um, but of course, he had his face on huge billboards all over Manchester uh, when he yeah, moved totally. from yeah when he moved to
1: Manchester City. So and, uh, and I think this is this is probably what he's going to be most remembered for is that welcome to Manchester sign. Where you know, he was on loan at Manchester United and then he was picked up by Man City just at that point where. They picked up Rubinia and it was the beginning of the, of the massive investment in the club. And I think that Tevez, uh, the, where Manchester City posted these billboards in blue saying, welcome to Manchester, in, in my head at least, you know, charts the beginning of the transition between power, uh, between the powers that be, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, um, championship winning sides and, uh, between, that, that was Manchester United under Alex Ferguson and that now is Manchester City ostensibly under Pep Guardiola, although there were a number of, you know, Mark Hughes was the manager at the time and so on. I mean, he won three Premier Leagues, two Serie A uh, and, and a Champions League. But yeah, that for me was the point of transition. You know, when he went across that divide, it, it, now we now know it signalled a, a massive transfer of power across Manchester.
0: Yeah, and he'll probably stay in Argentina. Now you would have thought that maybe had, his father died, didn't he? And uh, yeah. he sort of feels he wants to be in his, uh, be at home. I think I don't know. I mean, maybe he will. He, he didn't never seem to be the sort of guy who would go into management particularly. You know,
1: he, he said he wants to. He said he's got some projects. He said he's very excited about it. But honestly, I mean, he is one of those footballers who is fairly volatile in a sort of Diego Maradona esque kind of way and i think you know one thing you don't want necessarily from your coaches is you know that high degree of volatility volatility so he was an amazing football football player especially you know at his finest moments he came with baggage i'm Mm. not sure if you know i'm sure he will do some coaching but i'm not sure he's gonna you know have a standout who knows maybe i'm wrong i'll be happy to be wrong but you know i i can't see him having a standout coaching career given given the baggage that we already know he carries
0: Okay, Doug. Um, as always, thank you ever so much, John. Um, we'll talk again soon. Take care. There we go. Uh, John Bonfilio joining us from Campeche, in uh, Mexico.